Hey, and welcome to the Strategy Sessions. My name is Andy Jarvis. I'm the host of the show and the Strategy Director at Eximo Marketing. We're a small consultancy that works with manufacturers looking to sell direct to consumer. You haven't come here for a sales pitch from me though, so if you want to find out more, go to eximomarketingstrategy.com or send me a message and I can talk to you and bore you forever basically about what I do. But you're not here for that. You're here to listen to today's guest, who is Jane Ma from Free Now in Ireland. Jane is the head of marketing, and in this interview, we talk about um, the challenges of brand versus performance, which is something I love talking about at the minute, um, but we mainly talk about a lot of brand building and building culture, uh, working with people, the benefits of education, and some of the challenges of being number one in the market. It's actually a really fascinating place to be, and not a place, if we're honest, that many people actually ever get to experience from a marketing perspective. Um, often we work in companies that are challenging, that are number two in the market, if you're lucky, or often way down the, the, the list of competitors. That actually gives you a little bit of freedom, right? You, your freedom to try new things and be different. When you're the incumbent, when you're the biggest and best in the market, that's a really different sort of place to be. So it's a, an interesting discussion about the challenges of that and how uh, Jane pushes on with that and the things that they look at as a part of a, a global company, but how they activate that locally in Ireland. Before we get to that, I would like to give you a word from our sponsors. Yes, that is right. I'm, I'm promoting Learning Bound. I'm promoting it partly because it's a brilliant conference and partly because I'm hosting it as well. Um, no money has changed hands for this um, uh, <laughs> for this advertising read. Um, but Learning Bound is back after a COVID-enforced break on Thursday the 27th of October at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. Now, I have... Um, hosted Learning Bound before. I don't know if I've ever spoken at it. I've spoken at the pint size meetup before. But Learning Bound is a special type of conference, right? Um, it's really well curated um, by uh, Mark Scully, who puts the running order together. And there's a real quality to the lineup. And that's happened again this year. Uh, all I can confirm at the minute when I'm recording this is John Alderson, who's head of SEO for Yoast. Um, if you've built a website on WordPress, you, you've definitely heard of Yoast. And Jono is a man who's no, never short of an opinion and is always worth listening to. Uh, there are, If you go to learninbound.com, uh, you'll find the rest of the information about who the speakers are and how to get tickets. Now, what I will say is that the tickets are currently, again, as I'm recording this, currently €175 Euros plus VAT. That's for the super early bird, and they are limited. By the time you get to listen to this, they may have all gone, and the price may have gone up a little bit. Please don't at me if that has happened. So um, grab your tickets. One day, single track conference. It includes lunch, coffee, and drinks throughout, and access to the after party. I'm not saying that's the best part of the day, but... Uh, but do please come along. It is Thursday, the 27th of October in um, the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. And it'd be great to see you there. I will be hosting and I cannot wait for this event to come back. So enough of the word from the sponsors, but please do visit Learn Inbound. The link is in the show notes below. Well, that's it. That's the preamble done. Let's get into the main juicy rump of the interview. Um, I Just a, a word to Jane um, in advance of this as well. I wish everybody was as easy to deal with as Jane is. Jane, do you want to come on the podcast? Yes. Can we do this day? Yes. Brilliant. Let's talk about these things. That's fine. And off we go. So look, um, it's not always that easy to get people on the podcast to interview. So big thanks to Jane and the team at Free Now for being so accommodating and putting this together. Right. Let's get in and have a listen to what she has to say. 
So I'm joined today on the podcast by Jane Ma. Jane, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Andy. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And look, the pleasure is all mine. I'm always grateful when people give up the time to come on the podcast. So thank you. Um, do you want to explain who you are, um, what your job is, and tell us a little bit about Free Now as well, where you work, because it's much more than just a ride hailing app. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, look, I'm uh, head of marketing at Free Now, and uh, we've had an interesting journey uh, as a business and and as a, a service app. We are the leading uh, mobility uh, super app in Ireland, uh, meaning we provide a, a range of mobility options. Um, so the kind of premise of the business, of course, was was ride hailing initially, uh, and the business has evolved. We're uh, located across uh, Europe at this point in time. We're in about 170 cities, uh, and really we're about the future of mobility and how we make um, mobility around urban areas more efficient and more fun in some instances you know um, we've got a, a number of micro mobility options um, integrated depending on the market uh, such as scooters such as mopeds um, and e-bikes as is the case in Ireland so yeah a lot going on um, but a lot more to come as well and uh, it's a really exciting space to be in um, my own background is actually in the the alcohol industry. Um, so a move to a company like Free Now has been a really interesting change and one that um I've thoroughly enjoyed so far. It's quite interesting the the parallels, uh, as well as the the differences, you know, when when it comes to marketing and and how we grow the business. So we'll talk about booze later because I do want to get into that. <laughs> We've had uh, other. Great alcohol market is on uh, Sarah Simmons from Diageo uh, Smirnoff, and uh, we've talked about that before. But before we do, we'll we'll dive into free now first because the thing I mentioned when we were talking about this beforehand that um, the company fascinates me, and what really interests me about it is the owners of the company or the uh, the ultimate owners of the company, um, because it it's uh, a car company who own free now, right? So so tell us about the the kind of the owners of it, and there's been a couple of rebrands I think throughout the history of the company too. Yeah, and you know, I can speak really, you know, kind of well to Ireland and the Irish context. We've been 10 years in the, the Irish market now, and we've evolved over time. We've become and, and evolved to be free now. Um, however, you know, many of the markets have begun with uh, startups in this space, and, um, you know, that ethos is very much there. It's a part of the, the culture of the, the business. Um, you know, getting getting things done uh, in tight tight timeframes, uh, moving very fast, being innovative in terms of how we build out the product and how we build out the service offering uh, for passengers. Uh, and of course, uh, at the heart of all of, of this is the, the offering for, for our driver partners um, and the uh, benefits that they can gain from from using the app so uh, yeah it's been um uh, an evolution as i say over time we've uh, we've grown to be the kind of mobility super app that we are today and we're continuing on that journey and um, as you pointed out our main shareholders are bmw and, and daimler group um, and you know we've got great support in that given the the legacy that both those partners hold in the um in the, the car industry as a whole, but also now as we look to the future and, and what mobility means for all of us uh, living in, in cities and so on. So um, yeah, that's, that's a bit of context for, for you on, on Free Now's journey. Mm -hmm. And the other fascinating element of it is that this is a, a real competitive space, right? And marketing in 
competitive environments, I, th I think, is where marketers cut their teeth, right? It, it's really, and you said you'd been in alcohol marketing, and that is fantastically competitive. So what are the big challenges that you have operating in, in, in this space where there's some other fairly well-known names trying to do similar things to what part of what you do? Yeah, it's it's a great question and it's so relevant for, for all of us, for every industry really, isn't it? Um, well, the, the first thing I'll, I'll say, and I've always said this, is competition is, is really healthy. Uh, it keeps us on our toes. It, it keeps everybody, you know, uh, moving at a pace that is... Uh, to the benefit of of customers and passengers so so that's a, a positive thing i think um what's been really interesting actually moving from the alcohol industry into more of a a tech environment and you know what is ultimately a completely different uh, industry is that many of the challenges are the same you know when we think about balancing you know brand awareness for example with actual performance or in the case of you know my previous industry sales and and how we how we grow that um you know at a, a really really great rate um so we we challenge ourselves weekly monthly um in terms of getting that balance right and it depends on the market too you know some markets will require a bit more uh, awareness uplift um and you know others it's more about that kind of performance piece and you know downloads of the app and and all of that but um we have plenty of competition there's no doubt about that but it is certainly something that's that's positive like say and um you know in ireland um we are the the leading um app uh here so that's certainly something we we intend on maintaining and uh are you know working hard to really build a bit of distinctivity for the brand um to stand out and move beyond being you know just a service offering which is the fun bit that uh, i get to partake in you know Brilliant. And your role, is your role just Ireland? Are you kind of on, on a European or worldwide role as well? I work in just Ireland, um, which is, yeah, a, a big market for the group. Um, and then when we look across um, how we operate kind of from a central point of view, obviously we've got HQ in, in Germany. And um, yeah, we've got a number of markets um, at different stages of growth. So that's really interesting. So we do work um, to a central marketing model. So work very closely um with my colleagues in, in other markets but my own responsibility is, is Ireland and like I say yeah we're kind of leading in the sense of uh the brand maturity uh so we're a little bit ahead versus other markets and uh there's that kind of brand love brand affinity work that that we're doing at the moment which is again really interesting and uh an opportunity to to bring it to life you know so you talked about, you mentioned a couple of different concepts there, that are, all of which I want to talk about. You talk about distinctiveness, brand love and brand affinity. So let, let's take them one at a time. Can you talk about the sorts of activity that you're bringing to life to try and create that distinctiveness for the brand? Yeah, and you know, when we think about the, uh, you've got your brand and you've got your service, of course, and they're ultimately integrated. So we do a lot of work in terms of um, ensuring that the service is as seamless as possible um, and, you know, helping users to understand how to utilize the app. For example, you know, did you know you can book uh, an eco? We have an eco option and, and you can um, choose an eco fleet uh, option if you wish. Um, things like, um, you know, building out the understanding of what 
kind of mobility is we it's a term we're using you know across the industry but from a, a mainstream consumer point of view or a passenger point of view the understanding of it might be um uh, yeah it, it's still in the early stages i would say you know so um really um kind of providing education on on what micro mobility and multi mobility means is is kind of what's in our plan for next year um particularly with the integration now of e-bikes for example um in Dublin we've partnered with Tier which is really exciting that just launched in August um and then you know so that's kind of the the service and you know how we're uh, you know uh, really servicing the needs of passengers and then from a, a brand point of view we're showing up uh, in you know unusual places um you know we've we've really started to do more activations uh this year since uh, i've joined the team so you know we've done a festival uh we brought a hot air balloon uh to the city and and did some really really nice Could party you, you put the hot air balloon on the app or was that part of the activation? Not, not quite. Well, almost. Um, yeah, you did have next to. Year, uh, I can see you scribbling that. notes now going, let's do that next year. Hot air balloon next transport. Year. I mean, the traffic in yeah. Dublin's terrible, right? You know, it's like hot air balloon, get you to Malahide in no time. Perfect. No, absolutely. And uh, twice the time as well. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been part of the, the fun of it all, a little bit of play on that. And, um yeah, it's it's just really kind of brand work that hasn't been done before, um, and just bringing the brand up a notch and and showing up, um, in in places that we haven't been seen before, you know. So, a, a really interesting uh, project to get stuck into, you know. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to guess that as someone who's come through alcohol marketing, you see brand and performance marketing as just two sides of the same coin. It's not one's better than the other. Is Absolutely. that the world you inherited when you landed at Free Now, or are you having to introduce more brand thinking and kind of lead the charge for that? Do you know, yeah, I think you, you're spot on there. There's an element of that that you know. I think the alcohol industry is is often renowned for that kind of brand building capability over time and really investing in the long term, and also you know inserting themselves in cultural moments and then becoming uh, culturally relevant um to really um yeah b build their brand credentials so i'm definitely bringing that that thinking um to the team and and to the business um at the end of the day you know we we are uh, an app that has to deliver on performance as well and um, so there's that that balance that we strive to achieve on a, a weekly basis and that's been really refreshing is you know being able to view uh, the pace of the business on a daily weekly basis um versus you know a, a little bit longer tail in uh in previous industries and um that's really exciting you know because you're faced with a lot of uh problem solving challenges um and you, you that you need to figure out you know in the short term and um it's an element i really loved um since joining the industry but definitely there's there's that piece of um it's probably not uh traditionally there in terms of the business being coming from startup kind of world and that brand building component that that needs to be done over the long term and so, is that all driven, <laughs> is that brilliant which is brilliant yeah. and is, is that driven out of research are you looking at a dashboard of metrics that say you look you your, your app downloads are slowing because you're at saturation point or, or getting close to it and people with the Apple app are using it X number of times. Therefore, actually, what we need to do is invest in the brand. I mean, I'm, I'm 
caricaturing probably a very complex decision-making process, but are you looking at a dashboard and that's leading you to go with brand? Absolutely, yeah. And and you're right in saying it's it's highly complex. Um so in simple terms, yes, um, we can make assessments based on you know weekly, monthly, quarterly numbers um and, and base uh, decisions on that. Uh, so it's it's terribly complex. And uh what's most interesting for me actually is the the supply and demand challenge that we face. So um as a kind of an industry in Ireland, you know, transports had a, a spotlight on it over the last few months kind of post-COVID um, you know we are doing everything we can to draw uh, new drivers into the industry but um, at times you know we struggle to meet the, the demand that's out there uh, you know we've got a lot of eager uh, Irish people uh, out at weekends you know heading to festivals heading to concerts heading to games and um, servicing that demand uh, when it's most needed is is always our priority so the driver uh, dashboard is really really important as well and uh, that our driver partner uh, partners are a fundamental part of our overall um kind of uh, strategy i would say and um, so that's really interesting i i, I am I, I, the drivers and the way you do refer them as partners is really interesting me and i'm going to come back to that in one second i just want to make one more comparison with the alcohol industry that i said i'd talk about at the end and i've done nothing but talk about since we started but that's okay <laughs> so that's how the podcast goes right um when i i, I used to do a lot of uh, sort of social and search stuff for um alcohol brands and one of the bits of research I remember being talked about in a meeting with, uh, with with the company was that one of the biggest factors in purchase was shelf position. So it didn't matter how much brand building you did or whatever happened, where the person stood and what they could see was probably the most important factor in what they bought. And I wonder if that kind of at the point of consumption is an interesting factor for you as well, where you open the app and you're like, you know you've seen the brand work you've got the app you love what happens you've got great experiences there's no thing there's nothing i can take from here because there's nothing available in the app so i'll maybe open a different app is that a sort of a comparison a similar comparison or a useful way to think about it a bit like the alcohol industry i i think yeah you're you're spot on in terms of that availability you know that terminology that we we use incessantly uh in the drinks uh business and you know where you are on shelf is critical um so I suppose, yeah it's fair to compare uh and say that that's a, a similar um a similar way of looking at it but you know what we find is that you know the the opportunity to engage with a passenger you, you're relying on them jumping into the app right so there are means and methods that we can use to ensure we we grab their attention uh once they're on there um so whether that's you know a, a bit of a, a campaign you know we, we sometimes do vouchering for example or referral programming there are so many different ways that um we strive to add value um within the app and uh, you know we've done some really interesting uh, cross border activations for example so you know when you're heading to the airport uh you know you get a message hey like are you going to any of these countries? Here's a, a voucher to use our uh, multi-mobility service there when you land in Rome or Barcelona or wherever it may be. So we're always trying to get creative in terms of how we engage with a passenger in, in a meaningful and valuable way. So and, it's not and is the most annoying. Sorry, is the most painful part of that having the discussions with um, Rome about who's going to pay for that? Well, we're going to put Rome <laughs> up there, but we can put Madrid. 
but uh, spot Spanish on. aren't going like, to pay, so you have to pay. <laughs> yeah, our passenger, your passenger. No, hold on a minute. Now. We're contributing to this. Uh, we're benefiting your market. Yeah, oh, it's loads of fun. Uh, yeah, you're bang on with that as well. But uh, I think overall, you know, um, it's really, really interesting. And, you know, we've, we've a lot of work happening on partnerships and, you know, how we can add value to, to passengers' lives in that way as well. And having really useful partnerships in place that um, are, are beneficial to the customer. Brilliant. And so back to the drivers then, which I, I promised I would talk about. And you refer to them as partners. Um, I'm imagining a key part of the brand experience for anyone as they in the ride hailing part of the business, at least, is the driver. And, and they're, you know, sort of part of your business model, really, is how that interaction works. You mentioned the partners. What sort of work do you do to to bring them to, to life, to kind of live the brand, which must be quite a difficult thing to do, you know, with, with a, a guy or a woman who maybe just sees, oh, I'm just a cab driver. You, you know, that, that might be their view of themselves. So how do you get them to live the brand and bring the things you want them to bring to life? Yeah, and you know, there's so, uh, I think anybody listening to this or anybody out there, we all have the most incredible stories of drivers who've gone above and beyond for us, gone the extra mile, or, you know, a conversation that you had, or, you know, you forgot, you know, you're on the way to the airport and you forgot your passport and they they, they make every effort to, to get you back, uh, you know, I think everybody has a story and, um, you know, they play a big part in our lives. We, we discussed this internally as well. You know, all the great occasions that we we attend. Uh, I always find myself as well when I'm, I'm getting ready to go out. And once you get into the cab, you know, you've been rushing, rushing, rushing. Once you get into the taxi, you're kind of like, ah, and it's the moment where you just kind of take a breather before you get to wherever you're going. So it's that like connector uh, piece that we all use in, in our day to day and drivers are, are critical to all of that. So, yeah, look, we've got a number of, of kind of programs in place that, that help us to engage with drivers. So you know, we've got loyalty program, uh, we've got a number of benefits in place. Uh, and then we've got like our advocacy pillar, which, again, can arguably be compared to the drinks industry. So we run a lot of engagement um, events for drivers. So, for example, we we ran a family day a couple of weeks ago. So that was for, um you know, our, our really engaged drivers to come along, bring their families, like grab a burger, like, you know, play games, um, egg and spoon race, lots of fun stuff. Uh, just on, you know, when, when a driver's on their day off and um, over the summer holidays. So, you know, uh, there's, there's things like that that we're doing that are really, um, you know, striving to, to make them feel a part of a community um, because they are self-employed at the end of the day and, and they're using our, our tech essentially. Um, uh, the other big one we did was a, a driver awards night. So it was the first time we ever did this uh in ireland and um we believe maybe across any market uh where we we gave out special awards for people who'd gone again above and beyond gone the extra mile one taxi driver even delivered a baby at one point on the side of the road so like the most incredible stories and uh we created a whole uh special evening you know to celebrate all of that um and yeah it was it was great success for everybody involved so there there's lots of uh elements like that to really uh build that kind of brand affinity amongst the the our driver partners um but ultimately we want to be looking after them in terms of you know uh benefits and, and loyalty programs and so on yeah 
just as we were giving that answer you said about those great moments with taxi drivers I, I picked my phone up to look through the notes my experience with a free now driver um involved a hangover in dublin and he was taking me to the airport as you said and he said we were having a conversation about something and he came up with this amazing quote and i said can i write that down and i was just trying to find it there and i wrote his name oh. down and everything because it was just one of those moments i was sat there I was like that's amazing let me write this that down is like they're the most wise people like on the planet i'm convinced of it you know just um, the kind of engagements that they have you know uh, throughout the day with the variety of people that they encounter i mean it's not it's not for everybody obviously that conversation sometimes we get in and we're like please don't talk please don't talk and i'm sure they're saying the same thing about me but uh yeah it it, it is interesting like you can have those like profound conversations and um, you know anywhere in the world really yeah well, brilliant, brilliant. So let's let me talk to you about marketing strategy a little bit. The podcast's called the Strategy Sessions. You're in marketing, I'm in marketing. So you know, let let's talk that sort of approach. How do you tackle strategy at FreeNav? What what's your approach to that problem? I'm aware that's quite a broad question, but it is a broad question. But uh, I I love to attempt to answer it, and I, I suppose I have kind of referenced it quite a bit, but. We do have, you know, uh, the passenger stream, uh, the driver stream, and then we have a whole B2B stream. So um, it is kind of broken up uh, internally in, in that way as well. Um, and I think, you know, it depends on the, the brand stage, I think, per market, obviously. In Ireland, we're a bit more mature. Um, we are market leader and all of that. So there is that kind of, um, you know, brand advocacy and brand love piece to, to be built. And um, so a lot of work has been done on that, but also then, you know, the, the understanding of, of how we can bring uh, convenience to people's lives and also how we can help them make uh, a better choice in terms of getting from A to B. So like I've said, for example, within the app, you know, you can put in your destination, you can potentially get there via taxi, um via an eco taxi if you so wish via public transport or via um bike given our, our new partnership with, with tier now so it's about you know providing a choice for uh passengers in that way so there's a lot of that kind of messaging hierarchy and, and trying to establish how we get that that out there from a passenger point of view um and we've used um you know the events we've done this year to kind of layer that in um and that's been really interesting and we are also doing kind of you know kind of traditionally mass advertising if you like and um, you know we're on tv here and all of that but a big part of our our brand strategy is on social um and across digital um as it is for for many others so um yeah look, look that, that's kind of the passenger side and then on on driver side it's a bit more around um yeah that kind of uh, engagement piece and uh really contributing to their um their business and um, because like I say they are all self-employed so how are we adding value to their day-to-day -day? um and really a lot of that's done often um directly you know we have a, a driver services office for example so there's a lot of one-to-one -one engagement and a lot of supports in place um to be on hand you know where where drivers have challenges or have questions so um a lot of effort goes into to that element as well so yeah but in an, an overarching sense you know the, the big 
uh, targets for, for us this year were around building that kind of um, awareness and showing up in, in places we haven't shown up before and uh, remaining uh, top of mind, you know, for our target audience. And do you work with agencies then to bring that to life? This isn't a pitch for work, by the way, but do, do, <laughs> I, I, because I'm with the, the one of the first guests, um, Lily, uh, who works in uh, a direct to consumer brand, um, said, I think to use the quote, I don't something along the lines of I don't think it's good working with agencies or something like that. You know, and, and she was happy to say, you know, maybe it's just poor experiences she's had. But do you, you know, if you're on TV, you've got a lot of social, a lot, a lot of digital, you must be working with partners to bring that to life. How do you find that process? Yeah, you know, I find it uh, incredible. And uh, we work with a lot of amazing agency partners who are extensions of the team, um, you know, and are necessary for us to deliver what we need to deliver. Um, I do understand uh, Lily's point of view. You know, I think it depends what stage your business is at. I think we've seen so many examples of, you know, work being done internally, um, particularly in recent years where, uh, you know, brands have kind of, particularly in the DTC space, I guess, um, brands have grown um, without leaning, needing to lead needing to lean on external agency partners and um, so I, I wouldn't discredit that view by any means uh, but certainly for us where we're at and um, we really value that kind of third party view as well I think it's really important and just had a really interesting call today you know with an agency partner who you know they really challenge your your thinking on things um, because we're so close to it um, I do think it's really important to bring in that that a third party view um to challenge your your way of looking at it you know uh i go back to my agency days so it's, it's just over five years since uh since i left working the agency side but i it was always a challenge not a challenge but per client it changes but there's a bit where if you're just an order taker from the clients at some point something won't work and you'll get you'll get the blame for it so you have to be able to challenge and push back or you know bring some new insight to it but every client seems to have a different tolerance for how much of that they want from you, right? You know, so you know, you don't, you don't want to be coming to a call with your agency every time and be going like, "Oh God, it's just going to be hard work because everything's going to be a challenge." Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's actually quite a difficult place to land, isn't it? So, and but you enjoy that pushback and that challenge, and look, we're looking oh, at this absolutely. data and seeing different things. Yeah, I just I wouldn't be naive enough to think that I have all the answers. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, come on, Jane, you've got all the answers. No. <laughs> I I love being challenged. You know, on on any decision or any direction. You know, because I think we're so um we're so informed by our own perspectives. You know, and particularly with marketing, you should be very careful. I think not to get sucked in and be mm-hmm. be within the your own bubble. And uh, I've really learned that I think in shifting out of the alcohol industry. You know, I've had a bit of a time away from it now. It's really interesting to reflect back and see where maybe we were doing that. You know, we were uh, in a in a tunnel. Um, and not not looking more broadly so yeah I, I think that challenge element is so so important and um, yeah I, I welcome it but I, I do see the flip that that's absolutely fair as well and I see where that works as well you know it, it all depends I guess on the business and where you're at yeah and I think you've got to have that relationship as well where you, you can kind of read the room sometimes as an agency where it's like maybe today's not the chance to put that, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, 
We've she looks like she's had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a five o'clock meeting on a Friday night. Today's not the chance to do the challenge. Let's do that another day. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, gas. <laughs> um, so you're you're looking now at the next sort of 12, 24, 36 months um, at Free Now in a, in a real optimistic light because I, I, there's probably a lot of markets as you speak to who would love to be in the number one brand in their category. But actually being number one is a really scary place as well, isn't it? Because everyone's after you. Um, your opportunities for growth are smaller because you're number one, so you're already owning more of it. it it's it's not just, oh, we're top. That's it. I can put my feet yeah. up and light a cigar, is it? It's a different sort of challenge you have. Oh, it's, you're, you're spot on. And it's been, again, really interesting because in my previous roles, kind of what always was the underdog, uh just about you know the, the kind of the, the david and goliath situation mm-hmm. um and that's exciting because you know you're kind of fearless and you know you're just uh, climbing and you know you've got that like metric ahead of you uh but yeah i couldn't agree more that being in that leadership position is far scarier um because there's the there's so much more to lose and there's uh there's so many unknowns etc cetera, etc cetera. but but that's the the wonders of the challenge isn't it it's um you know uh, leaning into the strengths um and not doing i think too much of looking over your shoulder i think that's a really bad mindset to get into and um i am careful of that that like obviously competitor insights and and keeping an eye on things is really important but if you allow that to be your focus you've already lost you know uh <laughs> let's clip that up right we are taking that clip and it's going in the promo where are we we're, we're, we're half an hour in right uh, fun. it took me long enough to get there no listen listen that no that that's the gold dust we're taking that bit the, the reason I, I i have a phrase i use in some presentations which is a, a kind of a coarser version of that but stop copying your competitors they don't know what they're doing either right it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so we spend so much time kind of looking at what's going on over there going Oh wow! We should, maybe should we copy that feature? Why do we do yeah. like? But you, you don't have any. You, all you can see is the tip of the iceberg. You, yeah, you just spend your time obsessing at what everyone else is doing and trying to rip off their features or look at their campaign or their promotions. Why you know someone comes in? Why aren't we doing this? Because <laughs> if we could measure the time that teams spend on that, I think oh. it would be frightening. Oh, like, frightening! Horrific! Yeah. Absolutely horrific! Yeah. It just yeah, yeah. And, and to what end to what benefit yeah 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 agree and um yeah you do keep an eye on things of course and and not like be caught off guard but i think yeah you should be very careful uh when when you are in that space i was working with it and i'm not going to mention the name clearly but i was working with an e-commerce client recently and a discussion with someone fairly senior i hit my microphone there sorry the discussion with someone fairly senior said I think we should just copy the pages of our competitors' website and the design because they've obviously got it right. You're like, what metric are you using to define right? <laughs> You're like, uh, yes. Yes. You know, but the metric I can, I know the answer is the metric is you think it looks pretty. That's yeah. not a really good metric, but having to kind of have that discussion without going, yeah you're wrong <laughs> i don't think Very this client different. listens to the podcast and uh, they're not a client hopefully not now, but uh, yeah hopefully tell, they didn't get this we'll tell them to listen to you if they do yeah. <laughs> <Listen> <laughs> to Andy. A, you tell them jane you tell them jane said you gotta listen to me 
<laughs> but do you think sorry to get back on track quickly talk yeah. about you not me do you do you worry perhaps that maybe being number one can make you more conservative you know less prone to taking risks because you are in that place where you're on top of the hill and there's maybe a bit more to lose I, I think there's a risk of that absolutely broadly speaking but but my attitude is always you know what god is here is not going to get us there you know it's another another cliched line but um true though. I, I, yeah, no, it is a good one. It's a good one for a reason is that you have to be continually evolving and, you know, being creative and and moving forward. And, you know, the best band, brands in the world do that really well. And I look, Apple is jumping to mind like there is no way Apple is sitting back like, uh, you know, getting uh, complacent. And um, I think that's the, the attitude that you need teams to have and that leaders need to be uh, filtering down across teams is that we don't rest in our laurels, you know, um, we strive to improve things. And that's something that um, coming in, I it's always my ambition is to, if we can improve this thing, this one thing by five, 10, 20%, you know, we're winning, you know, always, always improving. Um, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, but we can always make something better. Um, and again, that's the that's my my thesis, I guess, is just continuous improvement. Yeah. Uh there's a whole there's a whole program on that, I'm sure, but um it's it's has to be the culture. Um otherwise you don't get to that leadership position or you don't uh maintain it for sure. Yeah. No, and, and that's um embedding that is throughout the organization and like you say it's a leadership thing isn't it and giving people that that freedom to maybe take that risk within some boundaries and some guidelines that they can do yes. that um and, yeah. and is that something that that you work with the teams you work with to try and give them that space and also advocate for it going up the stream as well into the cmo or whatever the, the leadership position is yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, you know, we are empowered. There is that culture in place. Uh, our CMO certainly has that attitude to to allow and enable markets to to be creative and to to come up with initiatives um, independently uh, and to execute them, actually. And there is that kind of attitude that the the market markets know the market best and so there's definitely you know that culture in place and I, I certainly welcome it at the same time you need to balance that with the the overarching um consistent brand work for example and um, efficiencies in terms of our operating model efficiencies in terms of you know our, our budgets all of our campaign work and we are working towards being uh, as centralized as we possibly can um you know, without losing that like lovely localized um piece as well. There's um my experience of this is working with a, a relatively well known, well not a relatively well known, a, a bloody well known beer brand, um, which is known for being American despite being a rip off of a Czech beer and beginning with a B. Uh, but we'll not say anything else about it. Um, and they, I don't, but I think the thing is, there's no perfect way of doing this. You know, sometimes they would pull the levers back to America a little bit. And, you know, we got this, we used to to manage uh, this brand for all of Ireland. And like, you'd get Labor Day campaigns to put out and you'd be like, nobody knows what Labor Day, you're like, 4th of mm -hmm. July has a bit of a worldwide, you know, people know what that is. Labor Day, take it and shove it back. We don't need this. But they were quite insistent because this is our brand and you've got, and, and then they'd maybe loosen it up the next year and you get much more freedom to talk about things that were useful in market and then they'd see that and go oh this doesn't resonate and pull it back 
there is no perfect landing landing spot for this. But... I'm convinced there's no there's no perfect model, and we see that swing over and back, global, local, global, local. I think the drinks industry is is probably the best example I've seen because it's been so. Um, obviously, it's got a legacy. Some of the drinks brands we are probably talking about are around, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred plus years. So there's been that over and back for a really long time, and. It just doesn't seem to, I think when digital really became prominent, you know, central and and global marketing approach made a lot of sense. And then it was kind of flipped. No, we need to build communities and, you know, we need to be ingrained in culture locally. So it's, it's about just, I think, being fluid with it, you know, and I think it often depends on whatever leader comes in as well, you know, that maybe they're a little bit more uh, loose than maybe the previous one in terms of the freedom that they give to local markets. And do you get a, do you get maybe as, as a mature market and a big market for the company? Do you get a a little bit more freedom, or or do you get a little bit less freedom? No, because it's, <laughs> because it's so strategically important now that you do well. I uh, know. Look, it's it's important across the group that we're consistent. I think that's the main thing, and that we're we're building the brand and this amazing work being done uh centrally on the next brand campaign which i'm really excited about but um i think i wouldn't say we get more freedom versus another market necessarily but sorry i shouldn't even use the word freedom it's it's about doing the right thing isn't it for the brands and i think there is there's a a compromise that has to be met there and yeah we we've got a very open way of working i think that's key you know the culture here is if I I perceive something to be this is what we should do, I'm I'm perfectly happy to say that, and I'll be open to the feedback on that as well or the response to that. So, um, no, I wouldn't say we get more more freedom in any in any um uh, sense of the word, but uh, it's it's about the compromise on what's best for the brand overall, really. And and then I suppose connected to that brand piece, we look at um sort of corporate social responsibility and different countries i suppose have different things that um matter to them more or less at different times and i wonder is that difficult to to have a a central position on um certainly you know environmental concerns are important in in ireland in the uk and in a lot of places but maybe a a bit less or a bit more in other places so do you use environmental csr work when you within the brand yeah and i would say again we're we set our kind of targets and ambitions around that uh, centrally and so you know we have a target now of being um you know net zero emissions by 2030 uh and you know for the upcoming years to have a percentage of our fleet as uh, electric so they're set centrally for sure and then as we kind of funnel down to the markets i mean again our kind of uh promise to to passengers is to you know get there your way uh under the current campaign and that is around providing you know the options to people you know for 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 our customers to make the decision on how they're going to move around cities and um i mentioned b2b earlier you know we are working through kind of um having mobility options uh, available to to businesses for for their teams and so on so there's a lot of work being done in that space in terms of providing the the options and, and letting passengers decide how they want to move around urban areas uh, which is the major where the majority of our our business is 
look, I think it's a, a fascinating area for um, all businesses now looking at the environmental credentials and, and how they work. But it's um, so having those having those targets, I think, is is huge um, to yeah. give you that focus and to keep things in mind. And is it a kind of a regular discussion point in marketing meetings and, and senior meetings that how are we hitting these targets? Yeah, it's a key uh, strategic pillar for us, actually. And uh, we are working on next year's strategy at the moment. Um, and it's it's a, a key part for us in that. Um, interesting, I recently did the... Um, uh, sorry, I'm, I can't remember the name. Oh, my God. Um, um, sustainable Business Strategy. Sorry, I was trying to think of the name of the, the programme that I did um, with Harvard Business School online recently. And it really, um, you know, it's, it's a short course. You do it over a couple of weeks. But it just really brought home to me how there's kind of uh, this challenge that we face has to be tackled industry-wide. Mm-hmm. And that was a big learning I took from it like there were a lot of uh, case studies presented during the program of like huge companies like a Unilever example Lipton Tea the work that they've done in terms of addressing the supply chain and and how no no matter how big the company is no company can do it on their own you know or it has to be a collective approach to the challenge and I think that's fair no matter what industry you're in uh, and that's kind of uh the ambition that I have is is to really um, be constantly beating that drum, you know, that um, it's a collective challenge and we all need to do our bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I was struggling to remember the name of the programme there for a second it's, it's that I absolutely love doing. I, I do think that you're also reading my notes on the screen and I don't know how you're doing it because oh. my next question was about education and you perfectly segued from what we were talking about into education by by name dropping Harvard Business School in there. So uh, you have, uh, I, I believe from looking at your LinkedIn profile that you're a big believer in education and constant education. Yeah, I get, uh, get teased about that quite a bit um, <laughs> by my friends. I'm always doing something, but look, I first of all, I enjoy it. And uh, my mom always tells the story about when I was like six and she couldn't get me to go to school. I like hated school, but I kind of I grew into it. Mm. And uh, by the time I got to adulthood, I was uh, loving any opportunity to uh uh yeah attend college listen learn all of that stuff so yeah i i really believe in it i also believe the best classroom of all is is in the workplace uh like go and show me go go demonstrate to me that you can you can do this but um i do believe in having the foundations there and and having an open mindedness to uh learning new things Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I did do um uh, MBA in recent years, and I took tremendous value from that. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's a huge undertaking for anyone listening. Uh, considering it, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's really the the dynamic of kind of it's the people, the classmates that are there. Uh, you can compare notes on things like share problems. Uh, it's really therapy for for uh, for professionals, <laughs> therapy for business professionals. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, but... If you want to ever open a um, like a positioning agency, I think between us, we'd have this nailed, right? Oh, it's look, like, you know, the Dublin MBA therapy for business professionals. <laughs> nailed it. 
there we go let's get on it let's let's put a business plan together another typical thing for an mba uh, student to say a business plan <laughs> well I, I did the um marketing week mini mba with with mark richson so that that's Fantastic. just the marketing bit of, of an mba um and probably a bit cheaper right so uh, as a yorkshireman that appeals to me but I, it was really really good <laughs> really high quality teaching obviously if you, you know anything about Mark Ritson you'll, you'll know it was good quality I sure do I, I'm actually about to undertake it um, oh, yeah. oh, are you doing the yes. brand one or the marketing one the brand one the brand uh, one you see I haven't yeah. done that I did the marketing one not the brand one but um, okay. I was a big fan of the course real big it's fan of fantastic it's yeah, yeah and I, I've had, seen snippets of it over the years and uh, yeah I do follow uh, Mark's musings uh, online and, and, he's an interesting guy if you've, uh, I'm sure you have watched the podcast that I did with Mark at the of end of course. the last series. So if you haven't checked that out, I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, but I, I, the one thing you do need at the end of it is you need a Ritson detox. So you have, um, I think, is it 10 lectures, 10 courses over 12 weeks or 12 over 14 weeks, whatever it is, right? But, and some of the reading is his articles and, and various other bits. So by the end of it, you, you kind of like had a Ritson overload. And I think I had a month of just, <laughs> mark detox at the end of it it was like oh Ritson's got a new piece out in marketing where he was like I honestly couldn't care less I couldn't care less like on your shoulder yeah. yeah and then I was like I left it left it a little bit and then I was like right Mark can I get you on the podcast now I'm, I'm, I feel I'm so, well I'll pretty be... cool to get Mark on board that's that's super he He's, he, must... he swears more than you do Jane to be honest with oh jeez I haven't sweared once, have I? I know, I know. I'm, I'm absolutely disappointed, to be honest. But uh, look, it's fine. You know, it's to the road. Uh, yeah, but he's. I, I've cl just clipped something up for a presentation I'm doing on direct to consumer, and in a nine second clip, I think I've got eight swear words from him. <laughs> what do you think of direct to consumer? And he's just like, boom, 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 boom. Okay, I love it. Uh, nobody's perfect, right? No, no, exactly. <laughs> but sorry, my, my, I got off the point. My question was, go back to your MBA. Uh, did you find it as a marketer? to get that broader curriculum looking at finance and all the other areas that come into the MBA it must have been really difficult, but also was it really, really useful to get that? So useful. And I think the stage I was at, it was particularly useful. Um, really getting into kind of global brand and the strategic side of things. So it was the timing for me was ideal. And also I didn't have a pure marketing background. Um, and I had, you know, moved to kind of sales roles as well. And um, so I wasn't maybe as daunted by it as maybe a pure marketeer might be, um, which is, is both positive and negative. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great, though, you know, when you are in a program like that. And again, you're surrounded by, you know, like minded people and all of that. You, you suddenly realize, you know, how far you've come and, you know, how much knowledge that maybe you have that you don't realize you have, you know, where you know, a finance person on the MBA program is looking at you when you're in the, the marketing module, you know, and, and looking for examples and you're kind of suddenly going, actually, I, you know, I've done a couple of things uh, over the years and uh, it, it builds your confidence, I think, um, from that perspective. Yeah. And, and just that, like, you know, we did some really interesting field trips. We went to Silicon Valley. Um, yeah, it was incredible. Like, uh, I feel... Field trips. Oh, the field, field trips. trips 
Mm-hmm. It was a field trip. Absolutely. I'm not it's saying right. I did go back to my favorite bars in San Francisco, but uh... it's just you and me here. There's nobody <laughs> else listening. You can be absolutely honest about how drunk you got on your field trip. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, great times, and uh, yeah, I feel very privileged to to have gotten the opportunity to do that. You know, um, uh, with the program here in in Dublin. Yeah, fantastic. Listen, I, <laughs> field trip I have... and all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like we'll, we'll move away from your drinking past. That's fine. <laughs> I have um two things to wrap up with. Um, one I forgot to warn you about in advance. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you rather than put you on the spot. I'm gonna tell you about it. Ask you right. another question and then come back to to ask you for the answer. So there's a section no of the podcast called Top Tip where I sing a really terrible theme tune and then I ask the guest to give um a top tip about it could be about anything, be it brand management, career development, marketing, education, okay. whatever. Right. So, um have a think about what top tip you might give and then try not to laugh when I sing the theme tune. Um, so I'll just leave that with you to ruminate for a moment. And then do you do, um, do you read a lot in terms of keeping on top of business or marketing or anything? And are there any books or podcasts that you would recommend to people to maybe check out if uh, things you found useful over the years? Yeah. Um, I always go back to, um, I always go back to, uh, Simon Sinek, um, I know he's kind of in more recent years become very, very has built an incredible profile, but I do find his stuff. There's nuggets, you know, um, yeah. that I always take from it. Um, Warren Buffett, I love uh, any of his books. Again, they're ones you kind of go back to and you need to kind of remind yourself on. And um, yeah. I just yeah i re- really do admire him um I, I and do, then... i do love some of warren buffett's stuff um i the bit i just don't understand is that if i was a multi-gazillionaire and a night and approaching 90 i'd have my feet up right I, you know, i'd be like <laughs> I, I'd stop, stop posting stop writing stop worrying about it mate just just be on a yacht somewhere yeah 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 um that's fair maybe that's, that's, maybe that's why i've got Maybe that's why I'm sat here worrying. Can I put the heating on because it's that expensive, or do I, you know? And he's sat on a yacht. I I don't know. I don't know. Move on. Sorry. I get it. I get it. I know. And there is that piece though as well. It's probably the the best advice is like you know not not to let it uh, take over your life, isn't it? You know that there's there's stuff outside of business and work that you know we need to to make a priority. And yeah, I suppose absolutely. the pandemic has really has really put a, a spotlight on that. So um, I definitely have shifted into a more uh, balanced life, I would say, in terms of work and life, yeah. uh, uh, which I'm really pleased about. Uh, Excellent. I wasn't so that's, good that's at it. great to hear happened. as well. Like Because you, you, yeah. you can, as you're going through the early stages of your career, think that if you're not doing 60-hour weeks, think <laughs> of someone else's that you're doing it wrong. And when you get to that point where you can actually go, oh, let's just rebalance this let's get out and walk and enjoy it or do whatever it is that you know that's uh, that you get your kicks from so no it's good yeah you. life is short unless you're the queen unless you're <laughs> 90, 90 whatever yeah um, so right now i'm gonna sing a terrible theme tune and that's that, that, that when i stop singing that is your tip your um opening to give a top tip to everybody about um marketing generally so you've had a minute to think about it. I probably should have put it in the email in advance. It would be a little bit longer. Really hey, should have, Andy, but look. Listen, um, this is the medium. It's live. It is um, a little bit rough around the edges sometimes. That, that's me I'm talking about. But just to be clear. Anyway, I'm going to shut up and sing a theme tune, and then you can go with a tip. Right. Mm. Jane's going to give us a T-O-P-T-I-P. T-O-P-T-I-P. Jane. Be open. 
to learning, unlearning, and relearning. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Let's just move away from, you know, right, I'm talking about taxi driver giving me um, this amazing bit of life advice. You just topped this, right? The, <laughs> I was like, be open to learning. I was like, yeah, okay, that's good advice. Unlearning. Ooh. Oh, we've always done it this way. No, 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 no. I love that. I'm relearning. Unlearn. Yeah. It prevents the complacency, I think. You know? You should be very open. You should be that open type person, I think, to do it. It can be really hard to unlearn something. Be open to learning. Yeah. Unlearning and relearning. Yes. That's it. Kept short and sweet. Yeah, never mind, short and sweet. That's it. That's amazing, right? That's it. I'm just saying, like, a... wow. Man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave you with that one Listen, on Friday. Let's, let, let's just drop the mic and we can <laughs> we can finish it there. Jane, Mark, thank you very much for your time. That's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure.